everybody. Welcome to episode 51 of the Mountain Bike Podcast. It feels like it's been a very long time. It has been like two weeks. I think, no, I think it's been a lot longer. I think it's been like a month. Shh. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. It's yes, fine. it's been two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate everybody f- uh, sticking with us. Uh, it's been a really busy time. It has been. I think I counted it up and I think I was home about like seven or eight days in the last like five weeks, basically. Yeah. yeah both yeah, of us. It, it was yeah. pretty terrible. Cool. Busy time. So, um, a lot of travel. Some of that will be, uh, some of that will actually create some more podcasts coming up for you this week. Yes. You'll hear all about that. Um, some exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have plenty of stuff to talk about today that's going to be all about bikes. Uh, plenty of news related things. Yes. Because a lot of things have happened because the otter happened. Yes. The maritime marmot was. Yes. A thing. Yes, that exactly. Uh, plenty of names for that. We'll go into that in a bit. But yeah. first things first, uh, head over to the store. You can see a bunch of people have been using the Worldwide Cyclery link, cyclery link by the mm-hmm. way. So you go to mtbpodcast.com, go to the store, because this is this podcast is presented to you by Worldwide Cyclery. It is. The raddest internet bike shop in the world. The raddest. They're just good folks, man. Yeah. Um, they know so much about their bikes. They do. Like, uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, Liam, one of their guys who actually builds a lot of the bikes bikes, incredible rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an ASR that he has a Yeti ASR that he built up, um, out of basically just like parts around the shop. Right. And he ended up, uh, he, he's going for Downeyville this year. Okay. So he built that bike up and then he went out and as soon as he got the SB 100, he was the guy to go out and test ride it. Right. Yeah. Uh, because definitely falls within his wheelhouse and, uh, which we'll talk about that bike in a bit, but anyways, he, like, I don't know of many bike shop places where there are a lot of biases in place in bike shops. Usually mm-hmm. like they tend to be like tribal. It's like, I'm a Trek guy or I'm a, this guy. Yeah. They're not like that there. No. And they just know so much about bikes. Like he and I jived for probably, you know, for a while there in DMs, just constantly going back and forth about what we thought about the bike. And I was like, how cool that you can have a bike shop where you can just, chat and get very educated, non-biased information from these guys. Totally. So anyways, Worldwide Cyclery, they're the best. You can go to Worldwide Cyclery through mtbpodcast.com, go to our store, click the link there, and then uh, we'll actually get a little bit of uh, a cut of that, and then we'll be able to put it back into the podcast and make more podcast content. Absolutely. Um, let's see. You, Steven, went to, uh, I guess, should we kind of, actually, before we get into, do you want to have TDS in the news or should we just talk about it right now? I let's, let's talk just, about let's it. just talk about it really quick. So uh, we divided and conquered. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had our East Coast office and then our West Coast office for that weekend. Yes, the East Coast office was in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is definitely not East Coast. <laughs> no, <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> <laughs> then the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, you were in well, which is it? Nevada City, Grass Valley, Grass Valley. Yeah, and they're very particular about that difference. I hear they are in that region. Yeah, the the people in uh, in Nevada City d- drink their coffee with their pinkies out. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so Grass Valley. Valley. Yeah. Yeah. The, the common folk. Yeah. Comfortable, awesome common folk. Over Such there. a great place. Uh, great people. So you were at TDS. Yeah. Uh, that, so that, that race is a really gnarly downhill race for those that don't know. That's a really gnarly enduro race. Well, or, it's a downhill me, race. Enduro yeah. race. Enduro race. Yes, absolutely. It's a multi, multi-stage downhill race. That's actually probably yeah. a better way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the stages aren't particularly long. No. They're very close to each other in proximity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have amazing shuttling going on, or you pedal up to the top, yeah. um, depending on the stages. And the terrain, even though this isn't like up in some crazy high alpine area or something, the terrain is 
gnarly mm-hmm. in that region. Absolutely. Um, it's got a section vigilante that just looks like there's no way a bicycle should ride through there. Uh, yes. Rather just flash flooding would be the only suitable vehicle for such a place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a kayak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, awesome spot. Mm-hmm. What happened this year? Uh, you, you were driving shuttles. Yes, I was actually. So uh, Ron and and Casey Sanchez decided that I'm going to be the shuttle master from now on. So I have to run. That's quite the title. I know. Shuttle master. (laughs) It sounds good on paper, but it doesn't pencil out in reality. It's it's basically herding cats that herd cats. Ah, gotcha. It's like herding the cat supervisors is what it is. Ah, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah, I just basically spent three entire days just shuttling racers all over the mountain and... uh, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. I know everyone's going like, oh, poor Steven driving a razor around all the time. But No, it's it's gnarly. It's, it's, gnarly. it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, and then, uh, so this year, Marco Osborne's generally a favorite at that always race. A fa- always favored to be up there. Yeah, um, because he's, I mean, he's from that region. Yep. Um, he rides that region a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgive the sniffles, by the way. It's just crazy allergies right now in Reno. Um, I'm just exploding all the time with yeah. this stuff. So, um but uh, yeah, and he had a pretty hard crash. I saw. He did. Vigilante finally caught up with him. You know, uh, he's made it through every single year, and he pinballs through that thing, man. Yeah, and he just <laughs> I, this year I didn't actually watch it. I was watching one of the road crossings further down, and he looked good through that section. But that was after he had already crashed. So yeah, and I didn't even know it. But um, yeah, so he ended up uh, spraining his wrist, and oh. um, he didn't even podium. But um, Duncan Doodlebear Nason. Factor Yeti, he won. Yeah, U23 Yeti star. He's done really well in the EWS round so far. Yeah. Um, good job to him. Jerome Clements was there. Yeah. He got second. Mm-hmm. Dan Chang got third or fourth. I can't remember which one. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's such a blur right now. I really like watching him ride. Dan is kind of a surgeon on a bike. He just he does is. everything, and he's super consistent. From Taiwan, is Ta- that correct? Yeah, yeah he's Taiwan Dan. Um, he, he's a great guy. He has like this very aggressive um, technique, I guess, mm-hmm. but uh, keeps a very low chest when he's descending, like a, in, like a you know chin toward the bars kind of a per, but it's his technique is very good. Yes. I remember shooting that event last year and getting some shots that I was like, wow, he is like, it, it looks photogenic, but his goal isn't to be photogenic. He's just being, you know, having proper technique. So um, yeah, pretty cool stuff. I saw a lot of people complaining of poison oak. Yeah. I saw them doing the beer whip uh, where, where some... The good-looking store's brother yes. got a really good whip out of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, they some poor soul stands out there with his arm holding a beer. Von Edwards from Cannondale actually yep. did and, that, and then somebody comes through and throws some gnarly whips. And I saw one for I think one of the Peterson brothers. Hit and his hand, I think, hit the chain stays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like a pretty yeah. sketchy. Yeah, Dane whipped it pretty hard on that one. <laughs> yeah. So he's a little higher than, yeah. than Vaughn anticipated. So yeah. And yeah. they they whip into the beer, and then if if you're like awesome Eric stores from Descendant Racing, yeah. then it like completely explodes the the beer and it yeah. goes everywhere instead yeah. of just knocking it out of the hand. Exactly. So it was good. But leave it to like an incredibly good time or um not time trialist but a trials rider mm-hmm. to be able to do something with such precision right? exactly makes sense yeah so but yeah so the results you know duncan nason took first um yes. jerome clements took second and then we had uh, matt simmons he's uh cannondale oh, right. he took third yep. and then we had dan chang um but shout out to Corey sullivan sixth place heck yeah yeah friend of the podcast He's awesome. Yeah. Works at E13. Um, really, really good guy. Incredible rider. Uh, he would tear the, the XC legs off of most XC riders too. Seriously. So. Yeah. How about the women's side of things? So women's side, they ended up inviting Martha Gill 
um, oh, wow. over. So she rides for Marin, and she's from the UK. She's awesome. She yeah. and she was just. Was she, All blown, smiles. was she blown away by the event of it? Oh, dude. Yeah, she was. And it was just, she was just having a blast. It's a and party in the woods. It really is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she took first, just looked really good everywhere on the bike. Yeah. I, everywhere that I saw, she never seemed, you know, she was just always composed and fast. And, you know, she gave Amy a run for her money. I mean, it was, it was only a five second gap. Did, Overall, so, between the two of them, did Amy, Amy Morrison took second? Took second. Yeah, nice job, Amy. You've heard her on the podcast before. <clears throat> yeah, and then Janae Perry, um, and then Essence Flory and Rachel Strait rounding out the f- top five. Nice. So yeah, uh, Joanna Pedersen. He she ended up crashing and uh, back was pretty sore Sunday morning, so she didn't uh, she didn't race. Um, what else? What can else? Can we give Can we give shouts to our our local? I guess he's not a grom anymore. He's a legal adult. Um, but well, he can't drink, so he's true. still kind of a grom. Yeah, Zach Waymeyer. Yeah, uh, you've heard him on the podcast before. He did awesome, man. He made it through. He, he made it die. Through. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I was actually I was really proud of his performance, and he was just slowly getting faster and faster throughout. Yeah. you know the weekend, yeah. and by the time Sunday afternoon came. He was doing really well. Uh, yeah. He ended up 57th out of 70, what was it, 80, 86 people. That's awesome. So, yeah. It's a really stacked event. Like, if it people, really is. like, uh, sure, you don't see Richie Rude and you don't see Sam Hill, you don't see those names, but the names that you do see there, it's just so dense because it's invite only. It tends to be extremely dense. And what I mean by that is it's like it's just quality throughout. Yeah. The quality doesn't drop down. There are no like people where you see them, the, them out there, you're like, ah, yeah he or she should not be out here. Like you see them and they're, they're the, you know, they invite the people they know can actually ride that terrain. Exactly. Yeah. So, yep. so if you can place mid pack there and that's really good. Exactly. So shout yeah. outs. Good job, Zach. Um, anything else from TDS? I don't think so. It was just a rad event. Tons of fun. Good. Thank you to the Sanchez family for putting Absolutely. on events like this. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. Need more folks to do that sort of a thing. It's also a ton of fun to spectate. Um, that's like a, it's, it's really, since the stages are so close, it's kind of a unique thing. And I feel like more Enduros should do this from Mm -hmm. what I understand. It sounds like, Ooh, this is a transition in Northwest Arkansas. They're going to have an EWS qualifier this year. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like they're actually, because they're developing all the trail now. It's not like it exists. And then they have to modify it to work for this. They're, they're building the trail. Like they're building a mile and a half a trail a week out in that region of incredibly professionally made uh, trail. And they're like planning a lot of the enduro stuff on specific peaks. And then you'll have like stages that go down in many directions from those peaks. Gotcha. So kind of similar concept. And it makes it really fun to spectate that way because it's close and you can see everything. So absolutely. um, I was uh, off in Bentonville, Arkansas, which Mm -hmm. is a bit like the Truman Show meets a mountain bike mecca. And like Stepford Wives. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's like all yep. three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in a good way. Mm-hmm. So like the town itself is entirely composed. Bentonville, Arkansas is entirely made to to give you the best quality of life you and your family could have. Yes. So basically the, and, and we'll go into this later, but the Waltons live there from Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Sam Walton uh, was started Walmart right there, and I went into his original store. His old five and dime? Yep, his five and dime, yep. Uh, Went in there, but the Waltons live there, and they uh, – I'll go into all the different stipulations, but over 80% of the Fortune 500 companies, I believe, in the world are there. Which they is, have an office there of some sort. Have an office yeah. there of some sort, which is crazy when you look at the town. I mean, it might be up to 40,000 people now. That's crazy, right? Yeah. So they've done a lot of different things uh, to – 
to try to improve the quality of life there. And I'll go into all those reasons in an upcoming podcast. You'll hear that. It's going to be more of like a documentary style podcast. Um, an NPR podcast. I would say so. Yeah. I just don't have Things a weird- you go. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a strangely pleasant, but off-putting tone and I don't have a lisp. So I probably don't make it into NPR. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Almost everybody has some sort of weird S pronunciation. I mean, mine aren't precise, but- it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like everyone in MP, next time, listen to an NPR style thing. And I think they actually hunt out people with lisps. And I think it's because it makes it seem more comfortable, more common. Okay. And maybe unique. I don't know, but they all do that. And it kind of weirds me out. That's just silly. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so anyways, basically that town is built around cycling and mountain biking and their concept is, well, if we want to raise the quality of life somewhere, let's do mountain biking. So like some of the the greatest trail building companies in the in the country really in North America are there all the time mm -hmm. building trail and they're and they're all paid yeah. so like this trail work is and then a huge amount of volunteers but like this place is amazing yeah it's it's absurd people like i can't believe the mountain bike world doesn't know about Bentonville Arkansas yet but they will soon because <clears throat> that's where epic rides is going and they're going to be having the oz trails off road and we're going to have more information on all of that but yeah. anyways it was a really cool trip opened my eyes to what can happen when a whole entire town focuses around mountain biking not like moab where it's like we have tourism we have mountain biking but we also have jeep things we also have red dirt that you can dye your shirt in and like all these ranch, you know what I mean? Like Moab yeah. is a tourist trap, tourist yeah. first. Yeah. Mountain biking isn't necessarily the, the crux upon which it's built. No. You really do feel like in this area, it's actually just mountain biking. That's what they're really going for. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, and you'll hear more about it soon. But uh, with that, Stephen, shall we get into the news? Yes, let's news it. News team, assemble! All right, first bit of news hits close to home for you and I, mm -hmm. uh, quite close to home. In fact, you can almost see where the route is going from the window in the room that we are, are yes. recording right now. Almost. Carson City Off-Road, mm -hmm. uh, Epic Rides, the best mountain bike series out there right now for, for not only, I, I, I hesitate to call it, call it cross country because it's not cross country. Back country, I yeah, see. Yeah, back country, right? It's going to be a ton of fun. So if people don't know about Carson City Off-Road, it, Carson City is right next to Lake Tahoe, which is, uh, I'll just stand by it, the most beautiful lake in, in the U.S. It's gorgeous. And we can go further than U.S. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So it's a beautiful place. And Carson City Off-Road is at the foot of the mountains that where Tahoe is, right? Yeah. So like you start in this old, like a, a, a quaint kind of Western town, basically. Mm -hmm. You start downtown and then you head up these hills and in the first year, you had a long climb, just a long, straight climb. Um, but it was worth it because of where you, it got you. It actually brought you to like a lake inception moment where you actually were at a lake above a lake. Yeah. And that bottom lake was Lake Tahoe and then Marlette Lake was above it. Yeah. Um, but and then you ended up working your way down on and then single track coming down. It didn't have a lot of single track though. That was kind of the complaint of the first year. Mm -hmm. well, the second year we had a ton of snow and we couldn't go up there. So we had almost all single track and it was three loops. Laps on laps. Yeah. And it was super fun laps, mm -hmm. uh, but the heat came and turned us all into like potato chips out there. It was just really hot. I was going to say melted popsicles, that but yeah, potato chips yeah. works yeah, as sure. well. Crispy so, huh? is yeah. basically how I there felt. There you go. So, yeah. uh, and then this year, however, the route is way more dynamic. Oh yeah. So you start in downtown Carson City 
And then if any of you rode the route last year, there's this trail called Ash to Kings and it's a really well-made trail. It's a ton of fun. And this year you're actually going to do it backwards Mm -hmm. from the previous year. So we're going to start in Ash Canyon and go to Kings Canyon. That single track is a ton of fun. You climb up and then you descend down for quite a while. Yeah. And then at that point, we're getting on that fire road that we talked about. We've already cut out a decent amount of that road. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get on that fire road. and on then you, Kings Canyon Road. Yep. And yeah. then you work your way up to Lake Tahoe mm-hmm. uh, region, yeah. I should say. Spooner Lake is, is more specific. Mm-hmm. And then you climb up and get to the Flume Trail or which Marlette awesome. Lake. Yep. And then the Flume Trail, mm-hmm. which is like one of the most famous trails out there. Yeah. Uh, sure, it's not some like technical crazy beast, but the views are second to none. It is incredible. Yeah. And it's actually perfect for a bike race like this. Mm-hmm. If I'm thinking about it, like I don't want to have something that's just crazy technical in that moment. Mm-hmm. And also honestly, with those views, I don't really want something crazy technical. Yeah, I want to, I want to look around, you yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. Um, I'm okay with doing that. So, and then in this case, um, uh, once it goes from there, then you work your way back up above things, back up to Marlette Lake region mm-hmm. and above that up into the mountains. And then you end up dropping your way down into Carson City on even more single track, yeah. riding the Creek Trail. If you rode it last year, you'll know that trail coming down. Tons of fun. Um, and then you get a chance to try to take, I think I might still have the KOM on Jackrabbit or Return to Sender. There you go. So that event's going to be a ton of fun. It will um, be. Check it out. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, you can sign up now and then, I think, before May. Uh, it's actually once you get to May, then the price goes up, that sort of thing. As you get closer to the event, the prices always yeah. go up. That's how it works. So and We're both doing it. Oh, yeah. We're doing it. So um, sign up. Uh, come ride with us. It's going to be a ton of fun. I think you're going to do the 35, you're thinking? I haven't decided yet, but I think if I want to have more fun, I'm going to do the 35. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to be doing the 50, getting ready for Leadville, mm-hmm. uh, doing that sort of thing. So want to put in some long days. Um, so it's going to be a ton of fun. If you're the type of person that wants to have, like they always say, a good day on the bike, right? Like that's like what they're all about. Like the whole weekend is a thing. Like you have the fat tire crit on Friday night for the pros and the mm-hmm. whole downtown area. There's like live music going on, a ton of fun. Um, then after that on Saturday, it's the amateur day. So when all of us average folk will be racing and then Sunday is the pro race. Uh, we're also going to be doing for trainer road. We'll be doing like a live podcast event there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on the details right now. It'll either be in a pub down there right by the race start, or it might even be on like the main stage. Uh, that will we'll be awesome. See. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we're doing that and then, um, yeah, so tons of stuff there. Um, going to be a ton of fun. If you're not really looking at like setting the world on fire for a time, you're going to have many creeks and lakes that you can just like dip your head in, have a ton of fun. Yeah. There's a rope swing, by the way. This is like a little like a, what do they call those? Um, like hidden things, I guess, that you could find along the way. A little gem. Yep. Uh, there is a rope swing that you can go to at once you get to Marlette Lake. Mm-hmm. So just going to say, keep your eye open for a rope swing. And if you see that rope swing take a break. Yeah. Take a break. Jump on in. It'll yeah. be a ton of fun. So, uh, okay. With that, uh, let's get into sea otter. Cause honestly, almost everything revolves around sea otter right now. It does with all the news. <laughs> There's all a lot. of the news. Yeah. Um, I rode my road bike down from San Francisco to sea otter with a group of friends. Um, you were kind enough to take our bags. Um, you met us in Santa Cruz for some coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I had hot chocolate. Uh, everyone else, I think I had coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went down to, um, all the way down to sea otter that kind of messed up my knee and I didn't race any, but yeah. you did. Right. 
No, I just did the gravel fondo. Oh, that's kind of a racy thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just we went down for uh, my friend Jamie's 40th birthday, and she wanted to do the gravel fondo, and nice. so it was good. Good yeah. times. There's a lot of racing that goes on there, and mm-hmm. we'll get into that in a bit. But honestly, where most of Sea Otter, where Sea Otter makes its money these days, uh, and where a lot of the news comes from, is is outside of that. It's, exactly. it's in the expo. Yep. Right. Uh, what's the first thing we want to talk about? <laughs> Honestly, like this experience for, for me doing sea otter, the way that I did it was actually very different than I've ever done it before. Okay. Usually when we go down there, it's race, 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 expo, race, race, expo, expo, race. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Stay at a hotel or stay at my friends, Brian and Brianne Spears Mm -hmm. and Butler that live right across the street um, from the venue. Mm -hmm. And this year was a big giant group of like 25 friends that we all camped on site we had fun all weekend. You know, you and I did some podcasting things Wednesday, Thursday, a yep. little bit into Friday. Yep. But other than that, I just hung out and kind of just like immersed myself in the other side of things, which was fondos and just hanging out and having a couple beers and barbecuing and nice. just, it was very different and I enjoyed yeah. it. It was a really cool experience to feel that side of it. Nice. I liked it. Mine was all trainer road work. It was, you know, just getting some podcast done with trainer road and meetings and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no racing. I was set, signed up to race enduro and XC, but with my knee being kind of jacked up from that long road ride. Yeah. I didn't want to Sea otters racing. Isn't good enough to, to, tempt me into possibly ruining my season and, and making the, the knee stuff worse. Of course. So I skipped it. Yeah. Um, but there were a ton of things. The first, <laughs> the first thing I want to talk about is uh-huh. the bold cycles unplugged. It's a prototype bike. Yes. So we should say that first. So it isn't a final design. Uh, it's an interesting looking bike. I'm not sure I would call it like a beautiful, but one of the things they tried to do was they tried to hide the shock in the frame. And? I've never, ever thought, man, that's a problem that I really want solved. I just want to hide my shock. Have you ever thought that? No. (laughs) They solved a problem no one asked them to solve. (laughs) Like, like I get what they're trying to do is trying to make it look clean and all that stuff. But, like, there's no point. Like, like why would you hide your shock? That's like a physicist figuring out what the the color purple smells like. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, cool, thanks, good job. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the shock isn't, like, like, our shocks aren't aesthetically off-putting. Mm-hmm. I think they actually look, I mean, unless it's Kashima and brown sugar, then that's gross. Yeah. But other than that, like, they're not bad. Like, no, they look and, good. And from, and <laughs> honestly, from like a maintenance standpoint, it just makes it more of a pain I to deal to with get, later on. Let me change my rebound. Hold on. Let me take my frame apart. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hold guess, on, guys. Do you have an hour? Uh, I guess that the thing, the, the theme they're going for is like something that is integrated, right? And if that's what they're going for, and this is more of a concept bike, that's one thing. But yeah. if this is a prototype, that's different. Like a prototype implies that it's on its way to production at some point, right? That like, oh, this will like be early. This will be in production. It's yeah. already a carbon frame. Yeah. They've already made molds. This is going to happen. And then if you're going into like a thing where it's actually just like a concept bike, that's one thing because you're trying to prove a concept, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this, honestly, I hope it's more of a concept bike. So they have like an integrated dropper as well on this bike. Um, so the dropper post, basically like they house, they can house the sleeve into the frame. So then like the dropper has more volume to work with. They can run lower pressures than thusly they say they can have, you know, better reliability, plenty of stuff like that too. So it's like an integration concept. Um, but man, weird thing, but that's the type of stuff that gets you press at sea otter. It does, you know, have crazy stuff like that. Um, let's see, uh, I guess on the, on the line of new bikes, uh, 
Specialized released the new Stump Jumper, and then Yeti released this beforehand, but the SB100, and I guess the Stump Jumper was re- released just before too. Yeah. Um, and so I guess let's talk about the Stumpies first. Let's go into that. And I don't know if we're supposed to call it Stumpy because- we they don't had to get sued. They had kind of a well. They had kind of like a weird. In my opinion, it was a bit of a weird video. Their launch video. I didn't really know what to take from it. It was kind of strange. I actually um, didn't even watch it. It was very long. Okay. Um, they talked to engineers who talked and said things, and and they had like a voice. I don't know. It was, it was a little weird. It just like seemed a little off brand almost for Specialized. I didn't really. But then again, I don't know. What's um, the CDA of the bike? I know they put it in the wind tunnel for that VIP event. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What the, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was just for looks. <laughs> I hope so too. Um, but, uh, so it's, it's a beautiful looking bike, this new Stumpy aesthetically, uh, it's got the one-sided, uh, frame, or I should say asymmetrical frame, kind of like the demo. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying it's like the Orbea Rayon. Well, the demo was like that before. Yeah. So, and I'm sure there were other brands that were like this, like boutique brands that were like that before too. Yeah. So who cares who had it first? Um, it just looks good. Mm -hmm. It's like an, uh, basically on the drive side, it's got a cross member that overlaps over the shock, like, you know, a normal looking bike would. And then on the non-drive side, it's open. So it's kind of exposed. Just a single-sided brace. Mm -hmm. It looks pretty. I really like it. Um, but the interesting thing is that they have three different models of the stump jumper. Well, first of all, the, w- yeah, the, yeah. the short travel version Replaces is making the them camber. getting rid of the camber. So yep. that's, yeah. yeah. Which, and, and poor camber, it's the bike that everyone should have had all along from the specialized lineup, but people just did not like it. And, and now you have to ride a stumpy ST. So now they're just going to call it that, right? Yeah. So then that way you can still, um, you get the same performance that you would get out of the camber, um, which is just fine. If it gets more people onto that sort of bike, I think that more people will be happier. Absolutely. So yeah, the stump jumper ST, that's the replacement for the camber. Um, so we're talking 130, 120 on the travel. Um, yeah, uh, they and I, I should say just across the board, longer front centers on this thing, so mm-hmm. so reaches a little bit longer. Um, stack looks pretty low on it, I would say, compared to perhaps the previous ones. The head tubes got kind of tall. Um, it's got all the fancy stuff that they have with like the the swap box and all that. It's got a wavy chain guide that they say makes it even quieter. Did you see that? Or not a chain guide, but a chain protector, chain stay protector. Yeah. It's got some some lumpy scaliness to it. And it yeah, says so it's, that it hits those little points hits instead of points. hitting a big flat section. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of cool. I yep. like that. Yep. Yeah. Figures. Yeah. Yeah. It's clever stuff. Um, and uh, the crazy thing about this is that you can actually switch out the shock, which really? is nuts. Yeah. So you don't have to, because beforehand they had the yoke built in and it was like a lot of stuff, but now um, you can switch out the shock on a lot of them. So then they have the normal stump jumper. That's a 150, 140 um, on that bike. And then you go into the stump jumper Evo. So Evo's back for specialized. And this thing is alloy, right? Yeah. And the crazy thing about it is I think that this one has like a 63 degree head tube angle. I might be 63 and a half. It's 63 crazy. and a half. Yeah. So that feels like a boutique like brand, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody like building a crazy bike like that. Um, so then, and it's stretched out in the front, the whole deal and really long chain stays. Mm-hmm. The chain stays are 443 millimeters on that thing. Yeah. So that thing will just decide to go fast and just not end. It yeah. will just be like, I will go straight. I like <laughs> momentum. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and kudos to specialize for doing something like that on yeah. like taking an aluminum bike and then giving it something that's kind of crazy, a little, you know, I should say outside of comfort zone for a lot of folks. Yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's a pretty looking bike. Uh, good job, Stump Jumper. And I think that this is going to be something that, uh, 
it'd be cool to see them like, you know, have things consolidated. If you think about it, they don't have a stump jumper hardtail anymore. They have the epic and the epic hardtail. Mm-hmm. Now they have the stump jumper, stump jumper, I should say stump jumper ST, stump jumper, and then the stump jumper Evo. Yeah. And now they have an Enduro. Um, I wonder if the Enduro, what happens there? If they have like an Enduro and then an Enduro something. Well, it's been know. what, three years since they've done anything with the Enduro? Well, last year they did some updates, but it was like not dramatic updates, you yeah. know, but they did enough to, to bring it up to speed. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't anything, you know, big. So yeah. Um, interesting stuff and good job to them. Yeah. I'm sure I'll ride one sooner or later. And when we do, uh, we'll give a review. Um, the SB 100, we're going to go into this. I'm sure in more detail, uh, later on in future podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but a first look, I have it, Steven. We do. Uh, you can head over to the, to the grams and you can see on my Instagram, it's Lee Jonathan underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see photos that I have of the bike on there. Uh, I, I, it's not entirely done yet cause I need a power meter. Um, I'm also going to have the new MV bar and stem, which, mm-hmm. uh, let's just cover that really quick. They now have 35 millimeter options, uh, or an option for 35 millimeter clamp. And the seven series. In the seven series and now their bars follow the same thing as their wheels. There's the M five, the M sevens, the M nines, right. And M six, um, forgive me. Yeah. Skip that. Um, so they have all of that and, uh, and the bars have slightly different geometry in certain aspects that mm-hmm. they have. Um, it's, it, it's just a step up. And as we talked, yeah. And as we talked about in, um, in our Instagram stories over the weekend at sea otter, it, the big difference is that they're tuning those bars. Yes, they're shaped slightly different. Yes, the M series has its 35 mil clamp versus the 31.8. Mm-hmm. But the big thing that they're doing is they're they're really tuning the layup matrix and getting mm-hmm. it to have certain flex and stiffness characteristics in the five series versus the six versus the M seven versus the M nine. Yeah. So it's not just different widths. It's not just different widths and different sweeps. It actually has to do with what sort of riding style you like, how much flex you want, you know, how much stiffness you want. It's a totally different <clears throat> setup. I yeah. guess like that a lot of people don't understand when envy makes their stuff, they don't go about like, it needs to be light and then let's hit a price point. Yeah. That's what most people do. Um, but that's not the way they go about making no. products. It's and totally it's, different. They, they try to, they make it first to behave the way that it should behave on the trail. And then everything else comes after. Because that's the real benefit of yep. carbon fiber is oh, yeah. being able to tune how it feels. It's and not nobody else in the bike industry is doing that. And it's, it was, it's been sad, like to see that for years coming from the automotive racing industry, seeing yep. what they do with composites over there. Yep. Now seeing envy being the leader in actually designing things based on the characteristics of the material. It's pretty cool. I love it. All right. So the SB 100, um, I'm a Yeti ambassador, so I should clarify that. Mm-hmm. So I'm biased in this case. And I will be the unbiased one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I always do my best to just be fair mm-hmm. uh, across the board with, with what I, in terms of like my reviews and my opinions on these things, but I, I have to admit that. So then you guys know that. Um, uh, so then I'm going to try to make this as unbiased as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. I view it as unbiased. You do whatever you want with this. Um, so, <laughs> Fair. okay. Uh, so this is what they're phrasing, not Yeti, but I guess we should credit Mike Levy from, from pink bike. He actually calls this uh, a down country bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that. It's like a cross country bike with downhill tendencies or, or chops, more chops, more downhill chops than you'd see from a normal cross country bike. Yeah. Uh, head tubing on this bike is 67.8 degrees and that's from small all the way through to extra large. So it's the same head tube angle. It's all 29 inch wheels. Uh, so instead of how they used to like step down, you know, with the size small, 
Um, and then there are some interesting things with this. So the seat tube length on this thing is pretty short, 419 millimeters. It's very short. So, and that you get that because it's a very slopey top tube. Mm-hmm. Top tube goes down at a pretty aggressive angle so much so that it basically falls directly in line with the chain stays. It does. So, um, it's kind of like a, just like one line that goes down from the head tube all the way back to the rear axle. Yeah. Um, this bike, in terms of the chainstay length, it's 437 millimeters. And a lot of you are probably like, blah, blah, I don't really care about numbers and all that stuff. So I'll try to get away from this. But 1151 is the wheelbase. And then the, the interesting thing to this is that it's got a little bit higher head tube than the previous ASR. But the previous ASR was basically a tuna can for a head tube. Yeah. It was extremely short. It was. I liked that. Yeah. Um, it was quite good. Um, but it's 107 millimeters in a size medium. Uh, so that's pretty small there. Uh, the interesting thing though, is that it's a 44, uh, a 44 is the offset on the fork, which is unique. Not 51, not 51, which is usually what you see with 29 or forks. However, it looks like that's changing. And unless I'm misinformed here, it, I, I got a little bit of information and it looks like fork manufacturers, especially Fox are putting a lot of 29 millimeter forks into the 44 millimeter offset. Mm Mm-hmm or 24 inch or 29 inch forks into yeah. the 44 millimeter offset. So, uh, that may be a thing that's just happening now Okay, and bike companies design around it. Uh, we'll see, or maybe it's something they're doing all together, but it'll be interesting to see. So, um, the stack and reach on my size medium is six twelve. Uh, that's for stack and then four thirty two uh, on the, on the reach. So it's stretched out in the front. It's got a slacker head tube angle. Uh, it's got switch infinity is the most important thing. Uh, so the pedaling characteristics of switch infinity are great. You settle into the travel travel just a little bit lower, just a tiny bit. And then that anti squat really shows its face and it stays really still. Like you said, it has a floor to it. Yeah. It does kind of have like a floor, but then when you push through the suspension, you're going through it, you don't really feel a floor. Yeah. It's extremely progressive, Mm -hmm. like way more progressive than the previous one. Okay. Uh, that's at least what I feel. And it's a custom tune on the, on the shock on there. And it's the DPS evolve. I believe is the name or float evil now yeah. is what they call it. So it's the float evil on there and it has a custom tune. Uh, that custom tune I think is very progressive yeah. uh, because that's, that's definitely what you feel on it. It's got a hundred millimeters of rear travel, 120 millimeters of front. You can run whatever travel you want from like 140 all the way down to 100, but XC racers, just trust me. You don't want to run less than 120. Mm-hmm. Just run 120. It's going to be better for, for you guys. So, yeah. um, the, the interesting thing about this bike though is it is like when we, when you first got it, cause so the frame is heavier than the ASR frame mm-hmm. that they have before. Yeah. And when we first looked at it, we're like, this thing's going to be a 25 pound bike. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we were able to, my build was down to 23, seven pounds, yeah. 23.7 pounds. So yeah. we'll get into that. You're 23.79. 0.79. There we go. With your Expedo pedals, with your, uh, specialized Z cage, yep. the bottle cage yep. ready to go. Yeah. That's exactly how it is. Like yeah. we don't, I don't, I, I understand when people say like without bottles and cage, but like if you're a bike manufacturer, sure. If you're a normal human that rides a bicycle, you need pedals. So yeah. just may, weigh it with pedals. Yeah. Right. Um, and a cage too. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, uh, when we first got the bike though, we both thought like, did they really need to make this thing this robust? Yeah. Because it looks like just, it looks masculine and like buff and cut. Like the seat stays <laughs> were as big <laughs> as the top tube of your ASR. I know, right? It's crazy how big that just substantial that frame is. Yeah. It yeah. feels like when you grab it, it just feels stiff yep. too. Like it's, and when you ride the thing, Oh yeah. It mm-hmm. feels very stiff. Um, oh, a bottle fits uh, inside the, the inside triangle. The yep. 
um, as it did on the ASR as well. But they've never had a Switch Infinity bike that did that. So um, the way they got around that is they turned Switch Infinity sideways. So basically how you had one of those stanchions in front of the other with the Switch Infinity link, just take that whole system and just rotate it 90 degrees so they're side by side if you're looking at the bike from the back. And it sits into the back of the seat post mm -hmm. and it has a little seat cover tube. over it. Yeah. Seat tube. Yes. Yeah, that. Yes. Things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it has that little cover. Um, but it's it's a tube and tube on the routing, mm -hmm. which, uh, which we, is we both really appreciated yeah. <laughs> quite a lot. Because I didn't appreciate doing your 5.5. Five. No. Yeah. No. It's a, it gets a little frustrating, especially yep. when I have to do moto routing and all that stuff for yep. my brakes. But, exactly. Um, it's it's clever. They have that low seat tube to allow for longer drop, but I actually only put a 125 millimeter drop on there with the Carbon KS Lev CI dropper post. Did you do 125? I thought it was a 150 that you were going to do. I was going to do that, but I did 125 to try to save extra weight. And that's so that's why you're sitting right at the minimum insertion. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. six mils above it. I'm probably above. I'm a bit above it. But you see the line. <laughs> the thing is about the about that bike or about that seat post, and I'm not. This is. It's probably bad for me to say. Uh, I do not accept any responsibility for this and not advising that you do this. There we go. And your warranty but, is now void. Yes. Um, but <clears throat> it, with the Carbon KS Lev, there's actually more posts sticking down below that minimum insertion length than a normal post. Yeah. Like, And I think it's because it's a carbon yeah. sleeve, so they're trying to account for that. Yeah. Anyways, um, so, and then uh, I guess I have the RS1 on there, and this is where things get different. I have the 51 millimeter offset, not the 44 millimeter offset. Yeah. So because they don't make the 46 mil offset RS one anymore. They only make one offset and that's yeah. the 51 because I think I'm the only person that buys that fork. So they just didn't make sense. There's to like, build. look, we're not building two different ones. For they weren't going to exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, but the fork aesthetically looks like it was built to match the frame. It really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, your, your 100 looks better, looked better than everyone in Yeti's yeah, booth. Yeah. I, I think I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's a pretty build for sure. It was. Um, and I've got MV M525s on there. Mm -hmm. uh, those were a little bit problematic. They were. Um, it, not the wheels, but the build with that RS1. Once again, it's my choice to run this fork, and it's problematic on many levels. So yeah. uh, the reason that it was difficult was because those rims are 24 hole only. And Envy says, yeah, man, that's all you need. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Even for, like, bigger riders. Like, yeah, you're good. Like, yeah. don't worry. Like, that's, I'll be on those, too, and that's kind of <laughs> kind of crazy, right? Disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, but they're strong enough. So yeah. um, I'll talk about the wheels in a bit, but the reason they're, they're 24 hole only. And with the RS one, you have to have a unique hub. It's the predictive steering hub, which basically just means that it has a, a kind of a bigger diameter, these big splined interfaces mm -hmm. that match up with the splined lugs on the fork. Yeah. And then when they come together, they, they have that, that makes it a more strong connected unit down there. Yeah. Um, you know, even dirt bikes don't do that. Um, so yeah, they but dirt bikes also have like 25 millimeter axles, That's true. not true. 15. Yeah. Well, and not only the axle length, then you've got a lot bigger stanchions, you've bigger got hubs, bigger, bigger everything spokes, else. everything yeah. else. Yeah. So, um, it was smarter than to do that. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, but that makes it difficult because nobody made, at least that you could find with a quick Google search, nobody made a 28 or 24 hole predictive steering hub. They're 28 and 32 and that's it. Yep. So, uh, we called up wheelbuilder.com. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast already. And I got, uh, they contracted, I guess, just a handful roughly, or, very, or I guess I should say relatively mm -hmm. of these uh, DT Swiss 240S hubs that were predictive steering, but then they use straight pull spokes. So on that hub, so then Envy only builds with J-Bend. So then I had to get the right spoke lengths and send them out. And then they had to custom build that wheel. And then I got the wheels. Um, but those wheels are... 
They said they made them more compliant, and I genuinely can't tell. But granted, it's because I've changed everything across the board on that bike. Yeah. With you, we're actually hoping to get a set on your bike so you can do a back-to-back comparison between previous-gen M50 and the 525. Yeah, because I have the M50s on the bike now, and we'll be able to go back and forth on the scalpel and really dial down the differences between the two. Yeah, because they still feel... really stiff in a good way. I don't, I don't mind stiff wheels. Yeah. I, that's why I have suspension. I engineer compliance in there. Yeah. Um, so, or I, I should say I set up compliance in there. Yeah. Um, but here's the skinny on this bike from first impressions. It is extremely stiff mm-hmm. and, and that is a very good thing. Yeah. You want your chassis to be very stiff, uh, unless you're the type of person that likes, you know, a flexi chassis and then you run stiffer suspension, but I feel like that gives you a less precise feel. It does. So I'll go with a stiffer chassis and then more plush suspension any day. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly stiff. Like it's like a, it's like a laser guided missile that can change just on the fly at any point, whenever you choose, if you think it is done, it goes there. Yeah. Extremely fast handling. I think it's part of that is the switch, um, setup has like an initial plushness that keeps it more planted than the previous gen ASR. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it's got like a super progressive feel. So it just feels very light and snappy and the stiffness probably helps with that too. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's different than the ASR in a number of ways. And I have to be fully honest here. It's not as big of a step up for me as I bet it will be for a previous ASR owner or another bike or somebody that owned a bike. Cause I did a lot of work to make the ASR perform exactly how I wanted Yeah, that Monarch with a mid mid tune on the back, instead of running a Fox shock on the ASR was a great choice for that bike. Yeah. It made it sit very high in its travel when you were pedaling. Uh, it was, it got hung up on bumps more than the switch infinity does for sure. The switch infinity is more supple when you're climbing. Yeah. Um, but it still isn't Bobby. Uh, but I did a ton of work to get my ASR to behave like I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but this is still a step up yeah. and that stiffness, I think is probably one of the biggest things The head tube angle helps keep momentum through chunky stuff even more. Um, man, it's just an impressive bike. The one thing I will say is that to get the fork to match the rear end and the new RS one has the charger two damper instead of the charger damper, which basically just means it's got new internals that make the suspension perform differently. Yeah. If that's the, that's the most basic way to say it. Yeah. So, uh, but as a result, the, the fork actually felt really bad. So if you buy a new gen RS one, don't expect for the fork to actually feel good at all, <laughs> at least in my, my experience. And I'm like 145 pounds. So the, the fork just like felt super linear mm-hmm. in a bad way, meaning that it was very harsh off the top. And then it continued to feel exactly the same all the way through, not harsh, but it would just like the same resistance. So I would blow through the travel and then it was not sensitive and, you know, not plush in the beginning. So I actually am running three tokens in the fork and I'm going to put in a fourth and try that, Okay, which is a lot of tokens for such a tiny little, little fork, right? Yeah. 120 mils, but I say tiny little human, <laughs> yeah, tiny human. Yeah. Um, but, uh, with three tokens in there, uh, it's, it's back to where I want it and it matches the bike. Uh, I feel like I could get even more suppleness out of it with four tokens gotcha. though. And four is your max on that. I think it is. Yeah. A three might be my max. It might be. So I might, I might make a custom token. <laughs> Just to kind of shave it down with a belt sander a bit, like you know, a half a token, a half a token. Yeah. yeah. Three and a half tokens. Um, but holy cow, that bike is good, man. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. Cool. Um, I don't really know if there's anything else to cover on that bike right now. As of right now, I think we're good. I think that covers it. Yeah. Um, okay. So well, let's just rip through a bunch of things. There are a ton of things. Yeah. 
Cane Creek finally released their Helm 29. Yes, and everybody's happy. Yes. So good. Looks like a good fork, good comparison, or a good competitor to... There are a lot of incumbents here. Yeah. Um, or I should say there are two incumbents and a lot of challengers. We have Rock Shocks and Fox. Mm-hmm. Now, Cane Creek is stepping up. There's there's Evo or Diamond Evo, whatever it is. Yeah, DBO. Um, the green things. Yeah. And then there's uh, MRP with mm-hmm. a ribbon, which actually I'm going to be testing soon, okay. which is pretty exciting stuff. Um, man, plenty of, of brands. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's good. They have a really good axle interface. They're just a, a nice fork all the way around. You can get the gnarly gold version. If you want to look like a Persian Ooh. nightclub on your bike. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Persian nightclub look is always a good look. It is. Yeah, it is. Just get some purple stuff yes. know, going on there too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, wolf tooth has their pack pliers. Those are, they gave you a set. Right? They did. They're yeah. Cannondale green too. They're hey. awesome. Yeah. Those things are cool. They're a cool little thing, like a really cool multi-tool, um, really nice machining on, you know, one of the things that we got was like, oh, that's a metal tire lever that's on there. Yeah. Honestly, you're not going to scratch a rim up with those things. They're very nicely machined. Nice. You're going to be fine smooth. as long as you're careful, but they're nice and smooth. Um, carries two master links inside of it, Sweet. has a chain installer and um, puller. For the master links themselves, for the the quick links. Yep, They're, it's just an awesome little tool. It's really cool. And honestly, pliers are one thing that I think that I lack in a lot of cases, or like plier capability. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to have it, and it's super light. Yeah. So, kudos to Wolf Tooth. Um, in the the downcountry fork battle, because that's officially a thing now. Yeah. Rock Shocks released a Sid One Twenty. Thank you, Rock Shocks. Finally, they always needed a Sid. Yeah, because then you had to go to what was it the Revelation? Revelation. Or, no, the like, Reba. I think, yeah, the well, Reba or the yeah, Revelation. Yeah, exactly. But if you're talking competition level, you mm-hmm. need to be Revelation. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, something like that. And then they have their twist lick or twist lock grip. Um, that's a mouthful there. Yeah. It's basically a grip shift that is the lockout now. Uh, then Fox also released a 34 step cast fork. They did. I think that it's 80 grams heavy, or eighty grams lighter than my RS1. Which is crazy. That ain't nothing. No, that's that's something. That's good. Yep, yeah. that's pretty good. Um, so that's a 34-step cast on that thing. They've released that. Fox also released the 36 Grip 2. The Grip 2 damper is really exciting for me. What? What's? I don't. I so don't, I thought the eight. I was very. Con, I, I'm very confused with Fox. They're so almost. They're almost Shimano. This is actually kind of like a an uptrending within their thing. The Grip technology. So the original Grip is just they designed that based around a foolproof, low maintenance, just this damper works and it uses an internal floating piston to separate your chambers. Okay. Versus your like uh, fit four dampers, which had the bladder that took up the space. Okay, gotcha. The the problem is when you have that closed off sealed damper, Mm -hmm. it's good for the most part, but you invariably get air in the system. And when you need to separate the air and the oil out and keep it performing at its top, you need to be able to expel that. Mm -hmm. And that's where the grip dampers are good because they, every time the fork cycles through its travel, it's getting rid of the air in Got it. your oil, you know, in the oil mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. and it's keeping things lubricated and proper, like within the system. So it should be more fluid, more less stiction, that sort of a less feel. stiction. It's going to be a more consistent feel as the service life of the fork goes through. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about the grip two in the 36s and the forties is now not only do you get high speed and low speed compression right. damping, but now you get high and low speed rebound damping starting to feel like a dirt bike. And they, and that's exactly it. So the grip mm-hmm. two damper follows a lot of the damper technology that has been used in motorcycles for a few years, you know, for years now. Yeah. 
and they've just improved on it. And the difference that you can make in this fork, the adjustability on the grip too, is vastly improved over anything else out there. Yep. It's really good stuff. And uh, man, the <clears throat> Fox 36 compared to, I'm running a Lyric on my SB55 right now, mm -hmm. which I, oh, I can't speak highly enough about that bike either. That thing is, that thing's pretty cool. That's why I own um, two of them. It's fairly good. Yeah. Uh, but that's the, the Lyric is good. I don't have the new Lyric. Uh, it's the previous gen one. It's good. Um, but the 36 feels better. It does. Uh, so I'm excited to see how that ribbon feels. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of see what, you know, the. Eventually I'd like to get a grip two on the Jekyll and get rid of the fit Four thirty six that's on it now. Yeah. So just to try. Yeah. Um, also uh, this happened before sea otter, I guess, but uh, Garbrook, is that how you say that yeah. name? Garbrook is the brand. They're Russian. They're they cool. Came out with a 1050 11 they've, speed cassette. They've had it out for a while. And that's what I don't understand why pink bike is just now talking about it. <laughs> I've known about them for about a year and a half. They do okay. really good, uh, narrow wide chain rings. And they're one of the few that has Cannondale, um, SI interface oh, on okay. their chain rings. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you've noticed or if you paid attention, most people that don't own Cannondales haven't, but Wolftooth got rid of their direct mount narrow, narrow wides. And before they even got rid of all of those, they got rid of the uh, the Cannondale interface. Oh, One Up okay. has never done them. Absolute Black has never done them. Like nobody makes. Garbrook does. But Garbrook always has. And they do ovalized ones. They call them the melons. Mm -hmm. But the cool the thing that they have is they have um, 11 speed. Um, XD drive, they have, they have a 1046, a 1048 and a 1050. So I'm impressed. Yeah. They're awesome. And they're, they're all machined out of one piece of 4340 chromoly. I mean, they're really, really nice, wow. really light. And then, uh, so they're designed just like an Eagle or just like, yep. um, an 11 speed XX one, but they're actually a little bit lighter and they're a lot less expensive. Interesting. Yeah. And it's, and they're in colors. It looks like the back piece, the, the, the largest cog is one deal. And then the rest of them are all machined out of one. Yeah, it's really pretty. Yeah. If you have a Shimano 11 speed derailleur, you need to get an extended cage. But then if you have a SRAM rear derailleur, it sounds like you'd probably just have to push that B limit screw all the way. And, and not all the way, but yeah, darn near but not even that much. Really? I've actually installed one of these before and it's, it's not that big of a difference. They're very similar to the 946 um, E13s. Yeah. They're not bad. We just need that. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I still think E13 has a leg up with their nine. They it's do. Just the so nine good. just makes it, it, it's that much more range. Yeah. You know, even compared to this, it's an extra 12% of range mm -hmm. just um, because of that one gear. The quark tire whiz. Can we talk about that thing? Can we not? I'm <laughs> kidding. Because we really, did we really need tire pressure monitoring systems on our bikes? Yeah, well, here's the thing. And I th I'm going to use this to prove a larger point. Okay. What are you going to do with that data? I guess I'm going to see, oh, the bike felt like this on that ride. Oh, this is why, because my tire was low or okay. my tire was... In post, it's useful then. Yeah. I can see in, that. In real time, I don't see it being... I mean, are you going to yeah. put this on your Garmin and, you know, have a tire pressure monitor alert go off when you, you know, pinch when flat on something? Down. Like, what, what are you like going to do? Like, you know you're going flat. So then let's say, like, you're a full-on roadie and you're trying to find the ideal pressure and everything else, or you're trying to see, like, oh, my pressure's dropped. It's going to have these implications on my performance. I get it. Like, you know, there's ideal pressures and everything else, but this definitely seems more of a road product, but I've seen it marketed also as like a power or a, a mountain bike product. Look like, uh, I think that it's the only, the thing that I really see that is cool is that if you're pumping up your, your, your fork or your, sorry, your tire, this thing gives you real time, very accurate pressure readings on your phone. So do Lazine floor pumps. There we go. I have yeah. the digital. 
There so we go. It, yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. But then if you're planning on taking that gigantic thing out, then you're going to lose all that precisely calculated or precisely added pressure anyway. Yeah, so it's like you're leaving it on anyway. And yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, kind of interesting deal. But it I, is interesting. I do appreciate uh, us getting or people pushing this forward a little bit more on having connection throughout the different aspects of the bike. Yeah. I, what I would like to see, like, and I do like that. I love the technology input, but I would like to, I, you know, cork with the tire whiz to build this into a tubeless valve instead of making it a separate stick on piece. I think you totally could. And I'm sure they know they could, but this yeah. is, I, this almost feels like, Hey, let's just see what people think of this concept. Yeah, um, that's true. Quark is smart. They, they, they do really good things like that. Like, uh, they have their, their tire whiz, they have their shock whiz, they have their power meters, their power meters are incredible. They're mm -hmm. very good. Yeah. So, uh, they're, they're solid. Um, they know what they're doing there yeah. on that stuff. Um, one last bit of thing, urban news from sea otter before we get into the racing stuff. Yeah. Uh, stages now has crank arms that don't say gigantic stages on the side. They do. They just have the little baby logo on them and that's it. It looks really good. They do. It's it discreet. And that's their third gen, you know, yeah. as we were talking to them at Sea Otter, six times the, uh, the power out of the wireless connection. So if you ever got dropouts before, yep. look at the new gen three stuff. It's, yeah. we're going to be running that on yeah, my on super X. Bikes. You're going to be running it on your bikes. Yeah. As long as they can fit clearances or, or tolerances are a little tight. They're, yeah, they are tight on your yeah. yetis now. Yeah. <clears throat> so, we'll or at see. least the SB 100. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be tight. Um, the racing that happened there at sea otter, there's a bunch of it. If those don't know, sea otter is a huge expo, but it's also like a bike race Mecca that's going on. Uh, I feel like they, uh, as always sea otter, all can encourage you to put more focus on your racing because if you put more focus on your racing, that will keep the industry happy to be there mm -hmm. because they'll think, feel like it's cold and it's cool to have all this racing going on. And I feel like they could do way more work to make their racing even better there. Absolutely. You know, the courses and bringing people out of the expo, perhaps to bring the racing into the expo yeah. one way or another to actually make it known that racing is going on. Anyways. Uh, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. So, uh, in XC, uh, Anton Cooper got first, mm -hmm. Howard Grotz got second and then Nicola Rohrbach really fast dude got third. Um, it was hot and that course was absurdly hard. They had a climb that was, that had to have been over 20%. And they that had little to, short section they used for the e-bike, uh, the yeah, e-mountain bike race. Yeah. That wasn't only the e-bike race. I didn't I realize it, the pros were running that. I thought that it was sucks. The, I thought it was the e-bike only climb. Yeah. That's what like, I thought. That's absurdly steep. Yeah. No, they were having to climb that every lap. Mm -hmm. It looked absolutely brutal. And they had an uphill sand section that looked really hard. Um, it, it <laughs> It looks really physically challenging. Annika Longvod took first. Kate Courtney took second. Evie Richards took third. Um, that the the XC there, the pros ride one course and it's close to the venue. It's mm -hmm. very much an XCO race. It's like nine laps for the men, seven laps for the women. I think eight and six. Or eight and six. There we go. Um, but when you get into the amateurs, they go out and do a gigantic thirty mile loop. If you do the Cat One deal, yeah, and. It's not really a fun 30 mile loop. So if you're listening to Sea Otter, can you make us not climb up single track and then descend fire road and road? Yeah, that sounds dumb. I think we like it the other way. Yeah, we're mountain bikers, <laughs> yeah. not roadies. Yeah, um, so that would be <clears throat> nice to have. But uh, it's good to see that they have the racing going on there. And I like the pro course. That's pretty awesome. It, yeah, it was really cool. And it was very spectator friendly in a lot of cases too. Yep, absolutely. So. Enduro happened, which a lot of people just call a cross-country race that um, just like has punctuations in it. Yeah. Um, but uh, pretty rad stuff because Amy Morrison, friend of the podcast, she took first. the win. She did. Heck yeah. Yep. That was a good job. Essence Barton took second. 
Porsche Maddox took third. Uh, then uh, Jerry Graves, the specialized team's always there because it's like, you know, it's like an hour from Morgan Hill, not even that. So uh, Jerry Graves won. Curtis King got second. Josh Carlson got third. Evan Guthrie got fourth. That name, uh, that dude is gnarly. He's Canadian. He's an XC rider that can descend incredibly fast. Hmm. He's a very good rider. He did this on his XC bike. Uh, he did have a dropper post uh, because he's a smart XC racer and runs a dropper. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, interesting to see there. Stage one is the downhill course. Then the rest of the stages are on the XC course on the single track that you climb on the XC course. They go down Yeah, figures. Um, and then uh, the dual solemn is, I think, the final stage. So yeah. Um, speaking of dual solemn, it was a weird course this year. It's like, so here's the thing. Mm -hmm. We heard one story. We did hear one story early on in the week. Uh huh. And then they played it off as a mm -hmm. completely different story. So we heard that they were given half the budget to build the course. So that's why there was only like a few berms and a few corners and a few we jumps. We looked up there. We we're like, uh, it's not finished yet. Yeah, so you guys ready it? to, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like Thursday afternoon. Yeah. But then everyone was playing it off like, no, it's old school. It's super cool. We're going old school with this. We're going lots more flags. Just flat grass and, yeah. corners. And, and so, heck, heck, if the riders like it, sure, whatever. Yeah. You know, they like it. That's fine. Um, but it did seem a little weird. Ropalata won and Jill Kintner won on that one. And then when you get into downhill, uh, Jared Graves won that one. And then Jill Kintner won on the downhill too. So yeah. really short course, but, uh, it's a ton of fun. If you go to Sea Otter, you need to go, uh, check out all the racing that goes on around there too. Uh, it's a total blast. Uh, okay. Away from Sea Otter stuff, the downhill world cup round one happened. It did. And Losinge, I think is how you pronounce it. Croatia. And, uh, that one was extremely rocky, like extremely rocky. Yes. Like, uh, like the type of stuff that people were getting flats left and right. Everyone was running cush core, like inserts. So then they could get cush down the hill. and downhill casing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Who and was it? Still getting flat. Was it, um, Josh Bryceland that went over the bars in that rock section and his face broke his fall. Who was that? No, that was, oh gosh. And Why it, can't I think of it? Yeah. I, I know it wasn't Bryceland, but no. Yeah. Cause he doesn't even do DH anymore. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look at, we'll I'll figure it, it up. out. Actually, you look it up. Yes. You look up the crash while we we'll go through this. Um, so Gwen won, but the crazy thing is we had two Americans. So one, two, Aaron Gwen, then Lucas Shaw, and then Dakota Norton took fifth. That's the first time we've seen that many Americans up in the top in a very long time. Miriam Nicole won in the women. Holy cow. Rachel Atherton didn't win. Yeah. Rachel Atherton got second. Tawny Seagrave got third. Um, and then Cecile Ravenel the EWS rider, she ended up getting fifth, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but man, tons, tons of, of crashes or just flat tires. They finished with an urban section. Yeah. It was like a weird, crazy looking course. It actually looks pretty fun and technical and hard to piece together, but. And it was Brooke McDonald. Brooke McDonald. He's the it. one who crashed. Yep. And God, that looked, oh, it looked painful. It looked like a hard crash. Yeah. So, um, but that was a ton of fun. You can check it out on Red Bull TV. Um, the, very good stuff there. And Aaron Gwynn was on his new YT2S, which I'm, we're not going to get into, but it basically has subtle updates. So yeah. like uh, they altered the geometry to have slightly different stack and reach. Mm -hmm. And I know this is really vague. Um, and then they did a handful of other things like uh, they dropped, I think a pound and a half out of the frame or something like Which that. Which is crazy. A lot of weight, something yeah. like that. I might be overstating there, but um, yeah. Anyways, it's a, just an update on the existing yeah. one. And I liked actually the, the little changes, like they had the, the slight change in how the cables come out of the frame mm -hmm. to make it quieter and route easier up to the handlebars. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool. You know, yep. just little things, nice, you know, like nice stuff just... that when you're an owner or a mechanic of a bike, it yeah. makes it easier. Yeah. <clears throat> Moab rocks happened. That's a stage 
race that everybody should put on their list for next year. If you've ever gone to Moab, it's basically like the greatest hits of Moab, Mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. Uh, it was Kabush's birthday, his debut on racing a Yeti and he won. Yeah. So it's a three day stage race. He and Pace and McKelvin were just going like, like toe to toe, um, like, like the throwing whole time, blows, yeah. like pretty hard, but I shouldn't say that because I guess blows <laughs> have been thrown at Kabush actually on the podium. So. Exactly. Yeah. I'm um, not throwing blows. Uh, Payson did not punch Kabush. Yeah, Payson's a nice human. Payson's an awesome human. <laughs> he doesn't punch people like that. But, um, so in this case, uh, the, so that, that race it's basically the first day they started in town and they climbed their way up to Porcupine Rim, like the shuttle point yep. of Pork. And then they ended up descending down to the point where I think it's a wilderness study area where it really gets like gnarly and on the edge of, of that, that where it really gets more narrow single track Yeah, and they can't hold events in wilderness study areas. So mm-hmm. it cut off right there, but that was a hard stage. Yeah. It was like a really hard climb and then just really fast, wide open, break your wrist type of descending that you have after that. Yeah. Um, and then on stage two, I want to say that they went to mag seven on stage two or or in that region. Um, they, and then I think they went to Klondike bluffs on another day. So they basically just like did like the regions where you would go ride. If you were looking for just trail riding around Moab and they made it a race, um, pretty, pretty awesome to, to see that I was, I was thoroughly impressed with the whole thing. So the, the interesting thing though, and I want to point this out, uh, this one hits kind of close to home. Um, in the women's category, the winner, her Sparky Moyer Sears. So she, um, she's with, uh, I should say her and Noah Sears or partners. So mm-hmm. Noah Sears from MRP, really yeah. fast rider too, but she won true grid Epic yeah. and she won Moab rocks. She's like relatively new to mountain biking. Crazy. Like we're talking, I think just a handful of years really on like really giving this thing a fair, like a, like a shot. Yeah. And she trains super hard with trainer road. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, it's an ad basically is what I'm saying here. It's not paid, but we're in trainer road studio anyway, but it just works, man. When you have this much hard work and then you just have good structure, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. So, and of course the, the bike handling aspects too, um, which I'm sure she's got, but yeah, man, uh, pretty interesting to see. That's the type of stage race. That's a ton of fun. Evan Guthrie, of course, did it. And he was throwing whips all over the place and having fun. He uh, was, did you see the one on Klondike where he was just like totally whipped out yeah. of that giant slap yeah. rock? I'm like, what are you doing? It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it was good. He's such a good rider. So, um, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, that's a rad race to check out. Then the last bit of racing that I want to talk about is the Commonwealth game. Steve, did you see this? I did not. So okay. this is new for me. So, um, it's interesting when you click on the results for the XC mountain bike thing for the Commonwealth games, the, on pink bike, the picture you see is Sam Gaze throwing, a you know, his, his pointer finger in the air, but the actual picture that they should be showing is Sam Gaze pointing his middle finger in the air in the direction of Anton Cooper. And what happened? Cause he did that okay. and it was televised and okay. he yelled some very colorful language okay. at the same time. What happened? It was close aggressive racing. Now, actually this starts a little bit further back. So they're both on the New Zealand team, their mm-hmm. teammates. And this really, Sam Gaze beat Nino Schurter in Stellenbosch, South mm-hmm. Africa, yep. right? In the sprint finish, Nino blew out of his pedal. I still don't know if he would have passed Sam, though. Uh, it was like Sam, the Sam rode a great race. Yeah. Uh, but Sam Gaze definitely was riding high on the hog, I think it's fair to say, you know, okay. feeling pretty good about himself. Mm-hmm. He goes into this race, and it was super close racing with Anton Cooper. Like really close, like bumping elbows. Okay. Uh, going for spots and Anton wasn't giving up any room. And let's be clear. You do not have to cede to anybody when you're racing like this. No. Like if you're lapping somebody or they're in a different category, that's one thing. But if you're both very evenly matched, 
throw elbows. Yeah. Take lines. Yep. Do block passes. Like, that's, that's what it is. That's what Formula One and NASCAR and all. Yeah, everything. that's what you do when you're racing. That's what you do. This isn't road racing, people. Yeah. Also, not like road racing. When you have a situation where you get a mechanical, you don't wait for somebody. If you attack when your competitor gets a mechanical, that is fair game and to be expected. That is sound strategy in the world of mountain Just biking. like when Nino Schurter blew his pedal at Stellenbosch. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Did Sam wait for him there? No. No. So, and, and if it's road racing, there are gentlemen's rules around that. If it's a long mountain bike race, you might see guys where like, like a Cape Epic thing, they might actually kind of tone it down a bit if somebody gets a flat or something and then, yeah. you know, but this is not that. This is an XCO race. It's mm-hmm. an hour and a half. Yeah. So rules are gone with yeah. that sort of stuff. And basically they went for the same tight spot. Um, and Cooper ended up taking the line from him and Sam ended up burping his tire right in front of the mechanics area. And, and when he realizes that he doesn't have enough air in there, he looks down, then looks back up, yells at Anton Cooper, gives him the finger. And then he ends up his mechanic is right there with the CO2 blows some air into the thing. And then he keeps going. He ends up passing Anton Cooper in, yeah. on the last lap and finishing and winning. Yeah. And then just complaining nonstop about the lack of class and everything else from Cooper because he was racing him aggressively. Because he was protecting his line. Yeah. Meanwhile, the guy with his middle finger in the air is saying this. Is classy. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, it's classy. No. And that's, and that's bad on, on gazes. Oh yeah. So, no, that's. He put out a huge, he put out an apology. Uh, who knows if it was forced or not, but then I see interviews where he says like, yeah, I mean, if you, if you beat the best in New Zealand, if you beat the best in New Zealand, you've beaten the best in the world these days. And that's just, you know, and he's like very very like you beat Nino once, man. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. You were, you were fast and, mm-hmm. and you can probably beat him again. You probably will this year. Yeah. But, but easy, yeah. like just, just don't come in this hot. Like, mm-hmm. like you beat him once, just ease your way in. Be humble. It. Exactly right, man. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyways, yeah, that's, that's the, the racing news that, that has happened since we have not been having podcasts basically. <laughs> exactly. Which, uh, has been a minute. It's been a minute. Two so, weeks as we decided. Yes, two weeks. Yeah, we'll decide what these time frames are. Yeah. Um, random discussions. Can we just have that? We're not really yeah. going to have business. So, no, that's uh, going to be our business section. Insert random transition. Okay. Now, uh, this one, and uh, we wanted to talk about this. It's It's been double new bike day for me. It has. I've got the SB55 and the SB100. Yes. We've been talking about naming your bikes. Yeah. And we want to know from you guys, how do you come up with names for your bikes? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've figured out the name for my SB 5.5, which is the war pig. And I don't disagree with this, but why <laughs> did we name it the war pig? Cause okay, it's, it's a bit of irony. Okay. It's a bit of a paradox in the sense that the bike is not a pig, <laughs> No, but uh, war pig itself. It's, it's when an XC weight weenie like me goes to war, he picks a bike that feels very large and very, very, I guess, uh, aggressive for, for somebody like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, I call it the war pig and it also has sparkly purple on it and on a Yeti. And it's just very it. ironic on its own. Yeah. That it's <clears throat> called the war pig, but I actually like it. it sounds aggressive. Kind of black Sabbathy. Kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. The war pig. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sounds good. Exactly. Right? I, I imagine a general like, you know, saying that. And so <coughs> that's the war pig. I don't know what I'll call the SB 100 yet, yet mm-hmm. or yet. It's very black, like the whole bike, very stealthy, very, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe someone will come from that. Maybe you could call it the black forest ham. <laughs> <laughs> keep, a, keep a pork theme going on. A very good song. theme. Yeah. Uh, keeping on that theme, we're building up Sarah's small Yeti SB 45 right now. Which would be the war piglet. Yes. It will be the name of the SB 45. Which I think is very perfect yes. for that bike. Kudos to you yeah. for, for that one. Uh, how do you name your bikes? Um, I, I guess it just depends on what you know, what the bike makes me feel like I still haven't named the super X. I still haven't named the Jekyll, yeah. but the moment I got on the scalpel, 
I was like, you're the surgeon. That's there what you are. are. Yeah. Just the surgeon. It's true. I yeah. like it. My, br- my brother had a Canfield, uh, the one I mm-hmm. think was the, was the bike yeah, and, uh, it was matte black. And then it had like a red linkage, like a, like a glossy red linkage and other like red little bits on it. So we called it Veronica. It sounded like a very, like, you know, kind of a very a, gingery, name, very sultry name, yeah. I guess you could say it. Okay. Right. You yeah. know, um, yeah, I've heard plenty of people name their bikes, funny things. Yeah. And yeah. Hey, you know, it, it really just, I think it has to, it has to come to you. Yeah. Like, like with a dog, like you don't just like, yeah. you are so-and-so. No, like it took me a week to name Moose because yeah. when he was a, a pup, he was, you know, kind of an awkward, clumsy moose, long legs, <laughs> tiny body. He Makes just looked sense. like an awkward moose. So that was what I named him. So there we go. Yeah. That works. Um, so yeah, let us know what you name your bikes. Just uh, go on to MTB pod- mtbpodcast.com and shoot us a line. Yeah. Let us know. Um, Keep it G-rated. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, roadie things on yeah. mountain bike trails. I want to talk about this really quick. Okay, let's, let's – what do you got going on, if bud? You're, if you're a roadie, um, you know, you can, you can just – you can do you. That's totally cool. But we were riding the other day on our trails here locally. Uh, my friend Dave and I, he's a roadie. He is a roadie. He's um, a very much roadie. Very, but he rides a mountain fa- bike. Very fast roadie. He's terrifyingly fast. Yeah. Almost as fast as Brandon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And faster <clears throat> in crits and all other races, but going uphill, Brandon's faster, which yeah. he's our product manager and yeah. he's insanely fast. Brandon Need. He's but, yeah. like 30 minute Geiger climb. If you know what that is, if you don't, who cares? Basically he's, he's he and Peter Stetna, the Trek pro factor, the guy in the pro tour that races tour de France, that sort of stuff. Yeah. They're battling over a KOM in Tahoe right now. So like, that's pretty gnarly level. Yeah. Um, anyways, so, but we're riding and we're carrying on just a normal, easy pace. Are you riding on mountain bikes? Mountain bikes. Yes. And we're on a mountain bike trail, very clear mountain bike trail. Mm-hmm. And when we're riding, we hear this like, Hey guys, can we get around you? Or can I, he's like, Hey guys, I'm going to get around you. Oh, okay. Sounds good. So we pull over and a guy goes by on a cyclocross bike like a Moots cyclocross bike with a Campagnolo cycling cap. Ah. And like a, a wool jersey. He looks like straight out of La Roica, that, that race that they wow. do. And he goes by and I was like, that's kind of rude. And the reason that I say that that's rude is because mm-hmm. these are mountain bike trails. And as soon as things get difficult, which they were about to get difficult, which he probably didn't know, but they were about to get difficult. Like, you're going to be in our way, man. Yeah. It's like you're going to be running out of talent here in a minute, like, but Very quickly, yeah. which that very much did happen. Yeah. And then uh, Dave ended up crashing on a descent, and then he came by again and was very, like, uh, just kind of, he was very roadie, man. Had roadie vibes. Well, he was riding the moots. Yeah, he was. So. And with his campy hat. So, yeah. but very roadie. And I just... If you're a roadie and you're riding on mountain bike trails, that's the time for you to chill and cut loose. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be super uptight. Um, you don't have to carry those vibes. You can just be chill yeah. and have fun. That's all I'm going to say. Just yeah. put that out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, final thing that we need to touch on. I think that we need to send a love letter of sorts out into the world. Are we sending out, is this a digital love letter that digital we're going to do Digital love letter. Yes. An audible digital love letter. Okay. Um, it appears... Uh, perhaps that, uh, you have your eye on somebody. I'm quite smitten. Like sir. You're smitten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, she has very curly blonde hair. She does. And she's very fast on a cross country mountain bike. She is. She's Swiss. Mm-hmm. The Swiss miss as they call her. Yes, she is. Yolanda Neff. 
Do you want to, <laughs> Yolanda, if you're listening? You're embarrassing me right now, bud. <laughs> what are you doing? If you're listening, Yolanda, uh, and you come to the United States and you're in this region, just let us know. I'd just, love to take you on a mountain bike ride. There we go. Exactly. Maybe By that, I mean, maybe I'll dinner. follow you uphill. <laughs> and then when you get to the end, just wait You'll for wave me. You'll wave by uphill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe a nice dinner, something like yeah, that. It, exactly. So I, if anybody knows Yolanda... Or if Yolanda, if you're listening. And what do you mean? I mean, if. <laughs> of course she's uh, listening. We, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. of course. Just, you know, <clears throat> drop us a line. See yeah. if we can connect these dots. It's all be some nice dots to connect. Yes, it certainly would. They would be. Certainly. I would, would. appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, for those that are on the, uh, there's listeners, maybe you can tag Yolanda and let her know. Oh, that, God. <laughs> <laughs> that Steve. It's happening. At Dogs, Bikes, and Cars on Instagram, uh, you know, you can connect those those dots for us. So. Wow. <laughs> that just happened. I put it out there for you. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Let's close it out with the tips. Okay. You don't care they'd count on your tips to live? All right. Uh, so I'm going to just uh, share a couple ones. Actually, do you want to, can you start on this one? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we went to, um, and, and, and disclaimer, we were given this product actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, from Envy of all things. They yeah. put this together. Um, do you want to, do you want to talk? So about we went to the, when they did the, the M series mountain bike, the stem and bar and, and, uh, product wheel launch. product launch. We were invited to this dinner and they ended up giving us this free gift and it was a, uh, a mission workshop pack that doesn't exist. So we got fanny packs. We got yeah, shuttle yeah. packs. We may or may, it may or may not be mission <clears throat> workshop. It may or may not be a fanny pack. We don't really know. We don't know. It's, <laughs> it's black and it goes around your waist yep, and yeah, it yeah. has things on it, yeah, but yeah. it's actually, it's a really cool, I hate to admit it, but it is actually a really nice, I wrote, I used it on the gravel grinder yeah, yeah. that weekend. Yeah. Um, and I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but on it, it had fixed manufacturing makes these multi-tools that, come with a belt buckle like mount built into them. It's like Batman's <clears throat> tool belt meets a fanny pack. Everybody started calling me Batman on the gravel ride because I'm just like whipping the thing out. Like <laughs> it's pretty it, cool. It was great. Yeah. Um, but it's called the wheelie wrench and it is really, really cool. The multi-tool. Yeah, yeah. That multi-tool, it's tiny. It has 15 different tools on it. It's smaller than any other 15 that I've ever you know seen out there. Yeah. But the thing is phenomenal and it doesn't, you know, when you're torquing on things, it's not flexing and feeling like it's going to break. It's, it's a stout good. little guy. I mean, it's a $30 multi-tool. It's awesome. It's yeah. really cool. So really yeah, good. look up the wheelie wrench. Yep. Fixed manufacturing. Yep. Uh, I just wanted the really long road ride that I did where I was going from San Francisco all the way down to Sea Otter. Mm -hmm. That's a really you know, long time, 130 miles. Yeah. Uh, I've talked about these things before, but this is like the really big, like the biggest long test I've done with it. Maurten Nutrition, M-A-U-R-T-E-N. They uh, were worked with Nike to make this uh, to make this product that uh, basically it's like a really high amount of carbohydrate the drink that you have yeah and usually those drinks are disgusting and it looks like you're drinking sewer water because it's mm -hmm. got like floaties in there yeah this stuff is not like that at all if anything it just slightly increases the viscosity of the water and that's like basically it okay um, really good stuff though um, so I um, uh, I use that and it kind of like raises rises the tide it isn't a full replacement for food I would say mm -hmm. um, maybe I just need to drink more of it but it, it really rises the tide so my peaks and valleys with energy levels on those long rides isn't as bad okay so it's really good stuff and then I used science and sport gels across uh, the to, to fuel other than that yeah they don't mess up my stomach it's amazing um, so that's one part and then I'm gonna kind of break the rules and give a second one that's okay flex togs 
Yeah. Got a bunch of them. We did. Um, the Togs are awesome. And also disclaimer on this, Togs sent us the, uh, a handful of them. I bought them uh, and I just, I, I, I paid for them and put them on my bikes. You bought the carbon point. ones. Yep. For yep. your SB100. Yep. And then they saw that and they're like, that's awesome. We're going to give you a few more. And I was like, I actually do have a few bikes. So that works. Yeah. We have Steven's bike. We have Scalpel. a few others. Yeah. Yep. And so, they were nice enough to send some with Cannondale green bolts for very me. Very thoughtful of them. Very nice of them. Yeah. So um, anyways, uh, they're awesome. They're the togs, but then they flex on the top, which has yeah. always been a little bit of a worry of mine, having things sticking up on my bar. So you'll bruise your kidney instead of puncturing it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, <laughs> let's go easy on that. <laughs> Joke. But, but yeah, it's, um, but it's, it's flexible. It has a slightly different angle on it too. Yeah. So it's a little more comfortable for your thumbs. Cool stuff. Yeah, totally. All right, Steven. All right. That's it. Check your, keep your ears open and podcast feeds refreshing for more podcasts coming up next And we're going to be recording um, a bunch more of the reviews from Sedona. Mm -hmm. We know we're behind people. We apologize. It happens. It happens. We're good. We'll get it. We'll get it handled. And Yolanda, I miss you already. (laughs) (laughs) MTVpodcast.com. Go to the store. Go to Worldwide Cyclery. Do all that stuff. Chat soon. Have a nice day. Hey guys, Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro, it comes from Wave Riders Entertainment, my good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. We'll talk to you next week.